Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Our title today is Why Pain and Failure Are God's Great Gifts to You. Why Pain and Failure Are God's Great Gifts to You. Like, wow. So you may be right now in the midst of some pain uh, or even failure. Maybe you've just come out of a season of great difficulty and are a bit deflated. Or maybe everything's all good. But I promise you, you will go into a season of pain and failure. It's part of leadership. So today I want to give you perspective, uh, a broad perspective for the long haul, that you might join Paul as one of my favorite texts, Romans 5, 3 to 5, where Paul says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. So Paul revels in the fact that one day he's going to actually experience the very glory of God himself. And when he speaks of, when the Bible speaks of hope, it's a certainty, it's a sure thing that our, the way we look at our present circumstances is transformed because of the long-range future where we're going. And so Paul says, not only do we boast in the hope of the glory of God, but we glory in our suffering. And the word there in Greek is ellipsis. It's when we glory in the pressure, the, the, the suffering, the difficulties of living in a hostile world, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, that is patience and endurance, and then perseverance character. Uh, that a goal tested by fire, much like Abraham, who grew into a mature father of the faith. We're not just raw recruits, we're actually veterans in the faith. We have character and then character hope. And again, he closes with hope again, and hope does not put us to shame. And so Paul, it's a jolt to first century Greco-Roman culture, and Paul says, you know, suffering or failure or pain is the, is the means that we experience God's grace in its fullest, greatest way, and it's a process by which God recreates us in the image of Jesus. And so we look forward, not to death, we look forward to the very glory of God. And so Paul's got this whole transformed way of looking at suffering, at thalipsis, at pressure. That's why he says later in Romans, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So what are some ways that uh, present sufferings come to us, or, or, or thalipsis, pressure, comes to us? I just started making a list, and I actually had 13, and I stopped, uh, ways that pressure or suffering and pain comes to us as leaders. First, it comes to us as we face our shadows. That's very painful. You know, shadows are those untamed emotions and behaviors that are largely unconscious in us and that are damaged versions of who we are and not just always sinful, but just weaknesses or vulnerabilities are beneath the surface of our lives. And as we seek to follow Jesus and lead with integrity, it just requires us having to face ourselves and Things like when I exaggerate or lie or avoid conflict or allow anxiety to drive me. Uh, and again, my early years, I was, I was so driven to be church planting, reaching people for Christ, and a much of great deal of focus on the exterior tasks of leadership. But I had so many gaps. Uh, I wasn't reflective or aware of uh, what was going on inside of me. So facing my shadow, which is, it's just painful, uh, but yet liberating. But pain and failure also come to us as we grow in differentiation. That is, uh, who we uniquely are made in the image of God, even out of our brokenness. In other words, so often we wear other people's faces or, or lead or, or, or live in such a way that it's copying other people's versus the, the, gro- the path of leadership and, and, and maturity is growing in our differentiation, being clear, who am I, who am I not, and yet remaining connected to people. I often talk about this zero to a hundred scale of differentiation, and we come out of our families of origin at a certain level, 
Uh, but it's painful to grow. It's painful to change. It takes time. It takes inner work. It takes solitude and silence and introspection. My poor differentiation caused me to have a very unclear vision, uh, be a leader with multiple visions at the same time. I didn't want people to leave. And so I had a team around me that was maybe half bought into the vision or they bought into part of the vision. I didn't know how to clarify expectations. Uh, again, it was a painful, uh, painful process to grow and mature and differentiation and have a clear vision and build a team around that vision and having hard conversations when uh, there were clear discrepancies. And uh, again, I wanted to skip all of that pain. A pain and failure also comes to us as leaders when we're misunderstood or, or judged. Uh, we can't always explain to those around us the choices we're making, decisions we're making, the journey that we're on. And people project onto leaders all kinds of unresolved stuff and issues. It's, it's just painful as we are misunderstood and judged, much like Jesus was. But it's a gift as well. A pain and failure comes to us when we carry just the weight of leading others. It can be not just your own family or community, but those you lead. Uh, I think of Paul saying in 2 Corinthians, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches, and, or, or I labor till Christ be formed in you, Galatians 4.19. I mean, leading and pastoring uh, is a great calling, to shepherd people in the name of Jesus. But make no mistake about it, it's painful. <clears throat> and we carry uh, that weight uh, with us. Pain and failure come to us when we, when we confront the elephants in the room big and small, uh, when those on our teams or those we lead uh, manifest immature or inappropriate behaviors, and, and we actually address them out of discipleship, out of concern for the culture and maturity, and dealing with elephants in the room is part of what it means to be a leader. And so I had to be honest that I wasn't having honest conversations with people. For years, I avoided them. I didn't want the tensions. And, but uh, elephants show up on our teams, whether we like it or not, and the higher people go up in leadership, the deeper in they get into it, the more one's uh, uh, gaps become evident and their immaturities. And again, we address them as leaders because that's part of what we do in maturing people. But again, it's painful. Pain and failure come to us when we have to wait. Uh, God's not in a rush. We are. Uh, and God sometimes says no to us. But it is just painful to learn to wait on God, <clears throat> wait on God's timetable, to embrace the way that we grow is through agriculture, I mean, the biblical images are more slow and planting and watering and weeding. That's the dominant image of Scripture, but pain, it's painful to wait uh, on God. And uh, it's painful and failure come to us through betrayals uh, and then having to love those who are, quote, our enemies. Betrayal comes to every leader. It's part of the pain of leadership, but they're great gifts as well. And it's a core way, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, how God matures us. Pain and failure comes to us through even our mistakes that we make, that because we're in leadership, they're public. People see them, and sometimes people don't let them forget, don't let us forget them. I, you know, I was at the same local church for 26 years as a lead pastor, so I had people who knew my mistakes from 20, 23 years earlier, and uh, sometimes would bring them up uh, in painful times. Pain and failure comes to us as well through as we lead through different seasons, uh, as, and we remain steady uh, through good times and bad, through winters and falls and springs. Uh, leading and being steady uh, in a difficult season when maybe other people decide, hmm, I don't want to be part of this anymore, or a pruning season. I remember when our church was doing a couple of building 
programs. It's just a difficult time. Uh, I think of the pandemic, you know, lose 30 to 40% of your people or more, perhaps. It's just painful. And yet you remain steady and faithful as there's all kinds of movement around you. Pain and failure comes to us even as we set visions and we have to make goals and steps and think through our calendars and the pain of working it out practically. Pain and failure comes to us as, as we pastor and care for people and they go through their difficulties in life. We, we enter their worlds, their deaths and job losses and crises in their families and suicides and, you know, money problems. And, you know, we're steady uh, even when sometimes we want to, like, get out of this and we just, we stay with people. And then I guess failure and pain comes to us just for the fact that we're always dependent and learning and listening and beginners in the faith. Uh, and the truth is we don't know so much, and we trust and wait on Jesus, and we listen to him, and we follow him. And then my final last pain and, and difficulty of leadership is just resisting the powers of evil. Uh, I like what Anthony of uh, the Great said, that we will face temptation until the very last breath of our lives. The very temptations of Jesus in the wilderness are the ones that confront us all the times. Go, you know, turn these stones to bread, jump from the temple, you know, be a success quickly, be slick. And uh, they're just temptations to be envious and try to make things happen. And uh, for so much of my years, I know I, I often felt like a loser compared to so many others on, you know, in leadership. And, uh, but that resisting the powers of evil and listening to the voice of the Father uh, is painful. Uh, but it's something we, we, God's gifts to us to grow us. So why are pain and why are failure such great gifts to you? And I just gave you a list of 13 Believe me, I, I had to stop. The question is, why are pain and failure such great gifts from God for you and for me? And I see it now so clearly, uh, and it's very simply this, that there's no other way. I actually have three big reasons, but the biggest is there's no other way for God to mature you into a mother or father in the faith. Uh, this is the answer to your prayer, to grow into the image of Jesus, to become like Christ, to be liberated and free. Uh, it's God's pathway is through death and suffering and through pain and failures that God actually matures us. So listen, I'm about to dive in, you know, dig into now some deep waters at the core of this uh, of emotionally healthy discipleship, which I often say is, a, is an ecosystem, a theological ecosystem of the missing pieces of discipleship in much of the Western church. And uh, so as we dive into this deep water here of uh, how we view and how we boast in our sufferings and pains and even failures, but the, so we might hope in the glory of God, uh, let me invite you to get on this journey that we call emotionally healthy discipleship. And uh, as I introduce you, the dark night of the soul as foundational <clears throat> to all discipleship, especially for those of us in leadership. And if you've not taken even your first step on this journey, let me invite you to uh, take our personal assessment, as I often say, is our best first step to get started on this journey. Uh, and that is take a 15-minute assessment of am I an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult? Uh, just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. Just take that 15-minute test it's assessment. It's, it's free, uh, and it's a great launch point into this large theme because uh, there's a lot of theology we're touching on here today with lots of implications that I can't even begin to go into. So again, pain and failure are God's great gifts to you and to me, because one, they transform us. Secondly, they're, they, they actually advance God's work in the world. And uh, thirdly, they also enable us to, 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 to absorb, to receive, to 
to revelation, to know God. Uh, in other words, this, this failure and pain and sufferings, this is God's ordinary way of transforming us. It's God's way of purging every one of us of deep-rooted uh, sins and tracts that are unhealthy in our souls. It's God's way of emptying us so that he can fill us with himself and, and a life of deep communion with him. I am convinced that God prepares a greater level of dark nights for leaders and shepherds. And again, that leaders in, in any capacity in which you're shepherding and leading other people, and the answer is simple, is because so much is at stake. Uh, God loves you, and God loves me, and God wants you to mature as a unique leader uh, that he's destined you to be, and a unique person, and you reflect something of the beauty of the glory of God out of your true self in Christ, like no other person that's ever lived. You're unrepeatable. And so with our greater gifts of influence, gifts, talents, experience, our platform, his work in us has a particular intensity to us because we reflect, hopefully, his light uh, out of our lives, and we don't cast our shadow on those that we serve. This is God's path to maturity. I mean, just look at Moses or Jeremiah or Hannah or Mary or Paul or Peter. And my, you know, the person I l really love looking at when I think of the wall is always Abraham. Uh, he is referred to in Romans 4 as the father of us all five times. He is the father of all of us. In other words, the pathway that he walked in faith is our pathway. Every one of us. It's going to look different, uh, but that is the common pathway is for all of us. And Abraham had multiple uh, dark nights uh, or walls, we often call them, and pain, pain points and failures. Uh, everything from Genesis 12, from leaving uh, his country and culture and family and going into an unknown place, to a famine in Canaan, to infertility, where his wife spent 25 years, he and his wife where there was, could not have a child, and yet God had promised them children. And then he had tension with his nephew Lot and had to split with Lot in Genesis 13. And then he had this marital tension and has a birth, uh, births a baby, Ishmael, out of wedlock. Uh, and he has to send Ishmael away. I mean, Again, painful and um, painful and failure and difficulty, but yet he stays with God. And then we even see him at the end of his life at 113 years old, God calling him to sacrifice Isaac on the altar in Genesis 22. And uh, God's asking him to do something that seems to be the exact opposite of blessing. And you would think he's been through enough already, but we see God gifting Abraham with revelation of himself through every painful season that he walks through. And I'm a bit older than probably most of you listening to this podcast, and I can tell you that the greatest revelations of God uh, and transformations in my life have come through my worst moments. Uh, it, it's, it's been the places where, I've, where, where God has continued to work in me to set me free from my will, uh, my ideas, uh, things I'm attached to that are not healthy, and to actually let go and allow him to strip me. Uh, and again, sometimes God invites us into situations that aren't, to let go of things that aren't bad in themselves, that just keep us from God's next, you know, next step or next um, uh, stage he has for us with him. And so often we think is the best is the worst, and we think is the worst is the best. And I love the work of John of the Cross and Dark Night of the Soul. I, you've not read that, I encourage you to read that perhaps this summer. And it's just, and he talks about the ordinary way we grow in Christ is through pain and dark nights and walls and 
And this is God's way of preparing us and for a higher degree of communion with him, so we can commune with him and walk on our own two feet with him. And it's God's way of purging our palate, of tasting things of the world, and, not, and he purges us that we actually taste and want God more than anything else this world could ever offer. It's God's way of stripping us of, uh, of, of false selves and uh, making us the new men and women he's called us to be in Christ. Uh, and he's not, he's not simply correcting our flesh or restraining our flesh. He's actually ripping it out of us like weeds deep in the soil, things that are keeping us from him that we can't even see. In other words, we can't change ourselves through sheer force of the will of our wills. And, but it is, it's somehow in God's design that we follow the path of Jesus and that uh, we too die. We go through that pathway of suffering and death and burial and then his resurrection. That is the cycle of transformation. Uh, and, and he, God, pulls out of us our deep self-will, our need for control, and he replaces it with the very life of Jesus. And uh, John of the Cross often calls it the dark night of purifying fire, and it purges us from things like pride and condemning other people and envy of others and looking for approval from people and greed and being discontent with what God's given us and finding ourselves more pleasurable and finding more pleasure in things and God himself or the blessings of God than actually God himself. And God pulls out of us things like irritability and impatience and, uh, and, and he calls it spiritual gluttony, that we just want the childish pleasures of candy of God, from God, but we don't actually want the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus because it's too, too painful. And, uh, and God frees us from that whole thing of comparing ourselves to other people. And, and we actually move from following our good feelings about Jesus, actually following Jesus. And we're actually, we, we transcend our, quote, feelings and our, that childish, immature kind of following where I've, I've got to feel good all the time as I follow Christ, but I, I, I actually just follow him. It's gotten so deep inside of me. So actually the pain and, and suffering that comes to leaders is, and actually it's every disciple, but again, especially to those of us who lead, it's a compliment. It's, it's a privilege. And for Abraham, the father of us all, his journey of faith was a privilege and a gift and because God's emptied him to fill him and God's emptying you to fill you. There are just so many treasures that come out of these seasons. Uh, we don't even recognize ourselves on the other side as we begin to become the extraordinary human being that God intends. You end up becoming uh, the person that God, you never imagined, and you end up with people you never dreamed of working with. and begin to taste an incredible future that you never imagined could possibly be yours. Abraham never would have imagined what his life would become. But God is going to grant you uh, pain and sometimes even allow some failures because there's revelation that comes through them. Uh, and a death and resurrection are the normal spiritual rhythms for every follower of Christ. I do see it so clearly now. That's why when sometimes when a young leader in their 20s or 30s or 40s, even 50s, will talk to me about so it's a horrific situation they find themselves in. Uh, I just almost always say, you know, I, and under my breath at least, that's good. Praise the Lord. God's doing a work in you. But I, one of my first tasks is to give them perspective. Again, I think of Romans 5, 3 to 5, and uh, of Paul's perspective that we boast in the hope of the glory of God, and we boast in our sufferings because we know that God's producing uh, endurance and character and hope. He's doing something in you that can be done no other way. But, you know, pain and comes to us and sufferings 
as well because it's somehow, in a mysterious way, it's the way that the kingdom of God advances. I don't fully understand this, but Paul refers to it multiple times in the, uh, in the epistles about, you know, he says things like in Colossians 1, I, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, for I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. That somehow Paul's suffering and pain was a participation in the redemption or the salvation of the world. It's part of the way that God's kingdom's advancing. Or he says again in Galatians 4.19, I labor till Christ be formed in you, that our labors or groaning enables new things to come forth in people's lives as we carry it. And I think of Paul saying in 2 Corinthians 4.12, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And and Paul very much saw his life as, you know, being the, the scum of the earth, he refers to himself, or the last on the procession of, of everyone, a fool, as part of, in God's economy, the way that the kingdom of God advances. And so we can somehow rest in that as well. It's part of God's invitation to us. But then also God uses pain and failure to, to teach us, uh, to, op- to break our hearts open, is probably a good way to put it so that we can receive the seeds of, of truth, of seeds of revelation. It, it's, it's, the, it's the means of breaking open our hard hearts to receive seeds of, of revelation of who God is. I, I just wrote down three or four for me that were just big ones, that, can, that it just came out of just great pain. I wrote down the first one was that character is more important than gifting. Now, I always knew that in my head, the good preaching material, but I really didn't know it. And I kept putting people into positions of leadership based on their gifts or anointing, their degrees. They could deliver results. I moved, so I moved quickly, putting people and elevating people quickly and uh, who were zealous and smart. And boy, that I learned the hard way and multiple failures of uh, from splits to just pain in our marriage to, uh, you know, finally learning to choose those who weren't flashy but really had great character um, and how after failure of so many times it just didn't work, uh, the quick, easy, flashy, choosing gifting over character, I finally learned it. I got it. Why Jesus chose those 12? Why didn't he go pick those PhDs in Jerusalem in theology and maybe some other more gifted folks like a Nicodemus? But he chose these 12, you know, from North and Galilee and you know, from Nowheresville, because they had something in terms of openness and willingness to do anything. But I did learn that hard lesson from failures and pain, that character really is more important than gifting. It's also the way I learned what it means to wait on God. Uh, what, is it to, what is it to really wait on the Lord is the core of the Christian life. Psalms talks about it, you know, wait on the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait on the Lord. You know, God's not in a rush. But boy, oh boy, was that a difficult lesson to learn. And the way it got into me, at least over decades, was failure, pain. I made decisions quickly without pausing to pray sufficiently or think or get counsel or process the implications. Uh, I could see the promised land, and I didn't necessarily see the pillar of cloud and fire, but I saw the land, and I just went running for it. Uh, I'm a visionary. I see what things could be. Rush ahead launched things, made hires. Uh, and often rushing was my way of bypassing anxiety. But the truth is anything worthwhile that is built takes years, especially building a ministry, regardless of what kind of ministry you find yourself in. And I had seeds of vision, 
Uh, and I still do. But I had to finally embrace the limits of my ability to even see that and how God was happening. And so I, you know, I, I've learned to let, vi let the vision, you know, ripen like good wine, you know, not to rush. And so for those of you who are younger listening to me, you may be 10, 20 years ahead of schedule. And uh, you want to avoid that ecclesiastical pornography. The stuff that says quick, easy, quick, you can make this thing happen. And um, we all want to grow so fast. And uh, the bigger the decision, the longer the discernment, you want to get wisdom. Why? Because unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. Who build it? And in vain, you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. But he grants sleep to those he loves. We can rest. Boy, oh boy. And wait on him. The third C that got into me through pain and failure was also about uh, the fact that Jesus is alive, the resurrection, who uh, I think over repeated um, pains and sufferings and through the years, I actually finally got it that Jesus is alive. And no matter how horrific a circumstance or situation might be, no matter how hopeless uh, a circumstance might appear to someone, that I actually like get it get it like he is alive jesus is risen and i think of abraham without weakening in his faith it says he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that sarah's womb was also dead yet he did not waver through unbelief he had hope and the promise of god and uh, that god had the power to do it and uh i don't know i just know it's true but i know it didn't get into me because i studied it and preached my first sermon on the resurrection in my early 30s on an Easter Sunday, uh, it came through pain and failure and sufferings that somehow God got it into me. Uh, and it's been wonderful. I think even of grace and the love of God. I feel like a baby learning about the love of God. I've been memorizing Romans 8, the end of Romans 8, and just, oh, the grace and the love of God um, is just so vast. We just know that we know that we know over time. I think of Bobby Clinton's book, The Making of a Leader, where he writes, he was a Fuller professor, that the first 15 to 20 years of our leadership is actually not God working through us as much as God working in us. We think it's all this fruit coming out of us. He says, no, no, if you're faithful to God, there's a number of tests and difficulties you're going to pass through, but it's the primary work God's doing those first 15, 20 years of your leadership is God inside of you. But as you're faithful over the decades, Fruit is going to fly out of your life uh, after you're 20 as you're faithful to God in those tests. I put it this way. There's a great way to saying that deeper, the deeper you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out, the wider and further will go your fruit and impact into the world. Let me say it again. The deeper you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out and allow him in, the wider and further the fruit and impact you will have in the world. Now you might be saying, oh, Pete, how can I? I'll never make it. How can I do this? Well, with human beings, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. By the Holy Spirit, as we abide in Jesus one day at a time, we don't follow Jesus in our own power. We follow it in his, we follow him in the Holy Spirit's power, abiding in Jesus day by day. And by God's grace, we're faithful, you know, with what he's given us. And uh, he's given us a certain, we're his servants. And he's put us in charge of other servants to feed them their food at the proper time, giving us talents and time and energy. And so we, we want to be faithful with that. And we trust God to take care of the rest. We want to love people and be present to people. 
And we need companions, of course. We want to find them on the journey so we get counsel and perspective. We want to keep growing and learning. That's why I trust you're listening to this podcast. And may you ask the Holy Spirit for courage. I know I do in my most difficult times. The grace of courage to stay with Jesus when everything in me wants to quit. And we know we all have those days. And the miracle is to being able to stick with Jesus and stay with him when you feel like you've got nothing left. Ah, the grace of the Holy Spirit, the grace of Jesus. So let me invite you again to pick up, get started on this journey that we call Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. If you've never taken the Emotionally Healthy Personal Assessment, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. Take 15 minutes, get started on where are you on this journey of growing into maturity, uh, and then you can assess where you are and get on the journey to actually make progress. Let's close our time with a minute of silence before the Lord, uh, and just take in how God has come to you today, and uh, inviting him to let those seeds sink deep in your heart. Let's begin. Thank you, everybody. It's been great to be with you today. I pray the good hand of God might rest on you. Blessings to you. Bye-bye.